Hello guys, and welcome to episode, I really don't know, 12? Probably 12, I think we're around about 12. Are we at 12, Owen? I think it's 12. We're at 12, episode 12 of the Hop Edition podcast. Um, due to Tricky's uh, current, rather severe, crotch, fruit and house moving issues, I've managed to recruit another unwilling participant to sit here and talk shit with me for the next hour and a half about... A specific beer type now this is one of those beer types that a lot of people try and some people including my co-host monumentally cock up a few times before they get it right I don't understand why because for me this has always seemed to be one of the easiest styles to do but today we're gonna tell you all about wheat beers specifically German wheat beers or non-american wheat beers more to the point because americans put hops in absolutely everything and sometimes that just kind of spoils the flavor i think anyway my co-host today is none other than the man with the watering can it is mr owen puckett uh what's the name of your channel again owen my youtube channel is called yeah, man. the blue trouser brewer the blue trouser brewer I'm, i think that must mean he wears jeans a lot i don't know correct so <laughs> anyway i'll i'll pop it over to owen and he can say a little bit about himself and uh, say hi to everyone all <laughs> right thanks chris so first off it's uh it's a pleasure to be here thank you mr millington for the invite um i'm looking forward to chatting some beer i'm looking forward to some good tangent conversations <laughs> i can't wait where i can't wait to see where the next hour and a half is going to take us um it could be fun even if it ends up only being an hour and a half i mean wheat beers are a pretty broad topic to be fair so biggin and i think you and i both like to talk so yeah this we, one could be a four hour epic we, you yeah. may not have any, may not have any legs left on your dog by the time we've finished it may require some mild editing or two dogs <laughs> okay so Let's stick with the tried and trusted format. What are you drinking today, Owen? So, I am drinking um, a Schwarzbier, a black lager. So, some of you may be aware uh, that we did, or we are currently doing a number of live brew days um, via the BrewTube Facebook group. So, Tricky is our main man. He's been organising those. I think we're up to... We done four now. Have we done three? No, we've done three. The four. No, we have done four, haven't we? Have we done four? First one was Hokum. Second one was the mild. Third one, yeah, it is three. Yeah. So this was the recipe from the last live brew day. So I didn't actually manage to make it along to the live brew day. I did, however, buy all of the ingredients in preparation to do the live brew day. And then slightly cocked up my calendar and couldn't make it. But I brewed the beer anyway. Uh, and this is what I'm drinking. And it's an absolute cracker. It's not a style of beer I probably would have really thought to have brewed. And I think that's what I really enjoy about the live brew days, right? It, we are randomly selecting uh, recipes from the camera homebrew, homebrew recipe book, whatever it's called. Um, I'm almost as bad as Tricky. Can never remember the name of that book. Um, and so far, yeah, we've brewed. I didn't actually brew the Hokum Stump. 
I brewed a different beer. I brewed the Cheeseburger Cavalry, which was a good beer. Uh, only that I'd literally finished the keg of Hokum Stomp, so I didn't didn't really want to brew that again immediately. I did brew the Mild, and I've still got that on tap, and that's a banger. That's an absolutely brilliant beer, and I can I can attest to the fact that this Black Lager is also a real peach. I'm lucky in the fact that I've got Firmzilla. I fermented this under pressure at ale temperatures. And it finished out pretty quickly. I kegged it, and it's like it's drinkable now. So, is it is it technically a lager? I don't think it really matters, Debate. does it? As long as it makes beer at the end. <laughs> Debate. It was a lager yeast. I haven't technically lagered it really for that long, um, but it's tasting tasting great. It's 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 not as heavy as a stout. It's got that nice kind of dark roasted malt vibe going on it's got nice earthy hops and a really nice dry clean finish so it's um slipping down very nicely thank you what yeast did you use in that one again so i had some lalaman diamond yeast but i only had one packet so i uh, very last minute ordered a packet of cross my leaf hell yeast so I actually used two separate lager yeast strains. Cool. Well, sounds like it worked. It did work. Sounds like you're enjoying it. More luck than judgment, perhaps. <laughs> As is standard um, for most people, to be fair. Um, so my beer is... Um, I'm a creature of habit. So I'm drinking my Marzen again. Um it is actually a different batch to the one that was on the last podcast that I reviewed where I said, I'm drinking my Marzen. Um, it's that time of year where we're coming up to October. It'd be rude not to have an Oktoberfest beer on. So I've got an Oktoberfest beer on. Uh, WLP 820 is the yeast. Um, this one was fermented with no pressure. Um, so this one was just... Um, an airlock instead of under pressure and i did pressurize it when i cold crashed it though so i, I put 30 psi on for the like oh god what did it have it had 36 hours um 36 hours cold crashing this one uh, and i did put 30 psi on it whilst i was doing that so when i transferred it it was carved yeah um kind of made sense to do it that way but beautiful beautiful beer absolutely loving it and for those of you who have been messaging me saying can you talk about marzens i'm pretty sure the next podcast is either going to be uh ipas or marzens i'm 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 currently in conversation with a couple of people trying to work out who it is who i'm gonna get to come onto the podcast with me and talk about those beers but that is hopefully going to be the next one so um yeah we both know what we're drinking. We're both clearly enjoying it. I'm going to send you my recipe for the Marzen as well. You've got to make it. I'd love to. I've no, I, it's not a style I've ever ever made before. Um, I'd, I've had a Dunkel on the brew list for a long time and never got around to that. Um, so yeah, it seems like it seems like you want to just stay in the uh, the German region, Chris. You're quite I do, happy. I do like. 
I do like sausages and big-breasted women, so I'm quite happy in Germany, I'll be honest. Perfect. It's time, <laughs> time to pack the bags, mate. <laughs> I'm off. See you later. I'm off to Dortmund. Um, so, today's podcast, we're talking about uh, vice beers, and uh, specifically, I'm going to try and stick to the German sort of um, Hefeweizen, and I think the first thing that we should talk about is, what is a wheat beer? Okay, now, I, th- I think I think the easiest way to talk about this is to simply say, the guidelines say a wheat beer is any beer which has a large, but normally sort of fifty percent wheat content, and it's a German style of beer. And for me, and I don't know about anybody else who's listening, but for me, it is definitely in my top three favorite styles of beer. They're easy drinking. They're easy to make. You can do so much with them, and you know they're just—they're just absolutely bloody gorgeous. Um, you said that you've made a few wheat beers, didn't you, Owen? I have tried my hand three times, in fact, at making a uh, hefeweizen because it is—it's a style of beer I really enjoy. I mean, the first time I tried hefeweizen was when I went to Hanover probably getting on 15 years ago when with a mate his brother lives in Hanover and he kept banging on about this banana beer right that's what he called it it's like you've got you've got to try this banana beer so we turn up first first day get off the plane get to the beer garden round of banana beers and what we were actually drinking was Hefeweizen right so and and I've drunk it Quite a bit in the UK. I buy typically um, like Paulina and that kind of thing when you see that in the shops. The co-op also do a reasonably good Hefeweizen, which they make themselves, co-op own one. That's pretty good. Drunk quite a bit of that. Um, so I've decided, I decided to attempt to be brew that style of beer because I do enjoy it, right? And you read... I, I read quite a bit on BrewTube with people brewing them and saying these are fantastic, they're really easy to make. So I thought, why not? I'll have a go. And then you naturally, and I don't know if everyone else does this, you go do some research, don't you? You go to Google. You go, okay, let's have First a look. Error. Right? First error, yeah. And then I start reading up about frulic acid rests and protein rests. and uh, And I think that's where the wheels came off early doors. Uh, so every single time I've brewed this style of beer and I've done three of them, every single one has been drain fodder. <laughs> Just let that sink in. That's the sta- <laughs> the standard of the podcast right there. Um, I'm, I'm just sitting here laughing because we had a conversation about this last night, did me and Owen. And he described one of the wheat beers that he made as a, and I quote, clove bomb <laughs> it was it was like it just tasted like medicinal plaster kind of rubber clove just really awful right so uh, now i actually understand where i went wrong so i'm doing these frulic acid tests uh, rests sorry i'm doing the protein rest i'm ramping it up um and all of that is driving the the kind of ester production for clove, right? And then 
I get the beer into the fermenter, I pitch the yeast, and then I ferment it out at like 18 degrees, like any other ale, right? Or most other ales, like typically that kind of 18, 19 range. What I've subsequently learned is I really needed to be getting that way up to start pushing the banana esters to balance out the whole thing. So I ended up just creating like three massive clove bomb beers. And of course, the first time I'm thinking, well, you know, maybe it's like, maybe it's infection. It was just, you know, chalk it up to experience down the drain. Right, I'll do that again another time. Let's have another go. Second time. I should have figured it out by then, really, shouldn't I? Yeah, you should have done, to be honest. Yeah. So you know what they say, though, don't you? It's like the first one is an accident. The second one's a coincidence. The third one is enemy action. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wheat beers just hate you. That's what it is. It would they seem just so. hate you. It would seem so. And in fairness, I've not had to drain too many beers in my time. And when I have, primarily it's just because they've tasted not how I wanted them right. I'll tell you a funny story. I decided to make a pastry stout and I decided to do a blueberry waffle stout and I put waffles in it. Right? How'd that go? It went okay, I think. I also used it ended up being a bit of one of those like using up the the last of the malts type beer, right? Right. So I think on calculation I used something like thirteen malts. That may have been too many. Could could have been a a red flag. <laughs> <laughs> the waffles were fine, although I'm not sure if it did my head retention much good. Adding well, a whole load of like nice buttery, oily waffles to the mash. Probably not so much. No, I added I added a whole load of uh, blueberry concentrate, and I also added some vanilla. And then the whole thing just came out at just this horribly cloying, awful, like, stuck to the roof of your mouth. You could still taste it, like, 25 minutes later. It was a fairly horrendous, horrendous beer. And and this is why um, beers are made a certain way. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I've, I've always been one for experimenting, you know, like, trying to sort of, push the boundaries a little bit, trying to kind of learn probably a bit from, uh, you know, trial and error, ultimately. Just sort of seeing how far I could take certain things. And I think, actually, you soon learn that simplicity is often the key to a great beer, right? I I would tend to agree with that one. And that's why wheat beers are one of my favourite styles. Um, It's one of those beers where you can brew it, and you can ferment it out in five days. You can cold crash it in 30 hours. You can have it in a keg, carbonated. And as soon as it's carbonated, it's ready to drink. These beers do not age very well. Okay, so if you've got a wheat beer, which is more than maybe... I think the oldest wheat beer I've ever had was like five weeks it took for me to drink the keg. Because they're also ultimately smashable beers. I mean, you can go through a lot of this beer in a gardening session, let me tell you. And I think the oldest one I've had was about five weeks, and it stopped being cloudy, you know, 
these beers are supposed to be cloudy. Although there are two styles. There's the Haferweizen, which is the the cloudy beer, mm. and then there's the Crystal Weizen, which is the clean beer. And if you want a good example of a Crystal Weizen, uh, have a word with Timmy Jenkins because he's got a recipe that he made. He sent a couple of bottles to Tricky, and Tricky was ranting and raving about that beer. He said it was awesome. Um, so, yeah, 50% wheat, and the other 50% is normally Pilsner. It's normally Pilsner malt. I've made them with Vienna. The last one that I made was with Vienna, if you you know listen to the podcast. Uh, I've made them with uh, 50% wheat, 50% Munich. Which gives you a really nice, almost Dunkelweizen beer. They are really, really good. Um, admittedly, not a straight Hefeweizen, but you can put other base malts in with the wheat to make a really nice beer as well. Um, but yeah, I think at this point, I'm going to reference... Um, I have to get his name right. Stuart Prince? The lad with the B40 who's never used it and he's had it for seven months who's currently rebuilding part of his house to make it into a brewery. Uh, Stewie, hello, mate. Drunk Delilah Brewery. Because um, he asked for all of this information. So if the information is too much for you, then blame Stu because it was his idea. Okay? So, the BJCP guidelines, which most of you who know me know I don't give the first shit about, say that a wheat beer should have a starting OG of 1.044 to 1.052 so by my rudimentary maths assuming a 10 11 finish that is anywhere from 4.3 to 5.6 percent alcohol i've had wheat beers at 6.8 and i've had wheat beers at 3.5 so i don't think these style guidelines really mean that much the final gravity should be somewhere in the region of 10 10 to 10 14 when you made yours, were yours within those sort of regions there, Owen? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure they were. I think I was aiming pretty much for the kind of four and a half to five percent kind of range. You ultimately want this to be a drinkable, sessionable, you know, easy drinking kind of beer, right? Yeah, absolutely. You want this to be the gardening beer, the one that you're going to pull a stein off of your keg and then, you know, Grab your Briggs and Stratton lawnmower and cut the grass. You know, it's going to take you three hours, but who cares? You've got a Steiner beer that you can refill a couple of times. Six, uh, and pr- three hours and six pints. Your grass <laughs> might look sh- like shit, but you had a good time. You've mowed your dog, <laughs> mowed your kids. There's no climbing frame left, but there's wooden splinters everywhere, and you've got no idea why. Um, IBUs. This is, this is where wheat beers for me, come into their own. All of the character from this beer, you really want to come from the yeast and a little bit from the malt bill. Not very much from the malt bill. 90% of it should come from the yeast. You really should should not even fucking notice the hops. They're there purely to save it from spoilage, I think, is the general idea when it comes to this beer. Um... You want hop flavour to be from low to non-existent. You don't want any. Um, But I have put a little bit in the notes which says, unless it's an American wheat, and then dump a ton in. Because I've done American wheat beers, and I have dumped... I mean, I put 
450 grams of hops into a 23-litre batch of an American wheat that I did. So, yeah. The yeast flavours, they tend to get a bit muted in American beers. in Sorry, in American wheats. But, I mean, I've had some cracking American wheats. I really have. Have you ever any, had any good ones? I don't think... Uh, I don't think I've really drunk that many, to be honest. But my understanding is generally like an American wheat, you're going to be you know, fermenting that out with a, a Chico strain or some fairly, uh, you know, clean kind of yeast. And it's actually just really more about hops, right? Um, and my understanding was actually like a base wheat beer is is going to be a fairly tasteless affair, right? If you, if you weren't to add the hops and you just fermented an American wheat out with a Chico strain, you're going to end up with a very boring, very uncharacteristic beer. Because actually, you're going to end up with a wheaty cause, aren't you? You are, and actually, wheat as a malt is not particularly characteristic. I don't think there's not much in the way of flavour that you're going to get from the malt. And just to kind of, I guess, reinforce your point about the hefeweizen. It's just all about the yeast, right? It is, mate. It's all about the yeast. So, the other thing that we need to talk about that that has been asked about is the colour. Now, the reason why you tend to stick with Pilsner as your other 50% of your malt bill is because you want your colour to be low. You want almost no colour. I mean, an SRM of between 2 and 6... I can't actually remember what that is in EBC. I think it's pretty much the same. Sort of two to six. You want it to be very, very, very pale. And I think you're not going to get that if you start fannying about with midnight wheat and dark wheat and caraway and, you know, all that. I mean, the the Vienna that I did came out with an EBC of 12. So it was nowhere near the style guidelines. Tasted lovely, but it was nowhere near the style guidelines. Um, and I mean, we were talking about Dunkles, weren't we? And you know, the the Dunkel Weissen, um, they tend to be around about twenty five, I think, eighteen to twenty five. I think their their colour guideline is. Yeah, it's kind of a co- so copperish kind of colour, right? Yeah, they're they're pretty much like this Marzen. Yeah, you know that sort of colour. Obviously, not as clear as that beast. How clear is that? That is like I can I can see your lovely bold bold head straight through that beer, Chris. Yeah, man. Yeah, it is a very bald head. He's very true. So, <sighs> flavour and aroma wise, I think Owen hit the nail on the head when he was telling us the story about his clove bombs. To be fair, because these are supposed to be a balance of bubblegum, clove, and banana. That's a very important thing to remember. Balance, okay? You don't make a chilli with just cayenne pepper. You put cumin and coriander and paprika and beans and herbs and, you know, salt and pepper. It's not tomatoes with cayenne pepper in. That's going to taste shit. You need to balance things out. And I think I think next time Owen does a wheat beer, it's, it's going to end up being a, a rather more balanced affair. What do you reckon? <laughs> <laughs> so you call me mid uh, mid sip? Uh, absolutely, I think uh, that wasn't a sip, mate. That was half the glass. That was a goal. 
That was a big old gulp. <laughs> Sorry if everyone caught that. Um, That's fine. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think, um, you know, I'm definitely re- going to remake this beer. Right, I'm going to remake the Hefeweizen. I'm going to do it very soon, I think. And I am definitely going to be fermenting this at 22.5. Are you, are you going to use the WLP 300 then? I'm not sure. I, I'll have to talk to you, Chris. I shall come pick your brains. We'll, we'll get on to yeast choices in a little bit because we've got a lot more other stuff to be talking about. I, just, I know you're uh, very specific about your fermentation temperature for this style of beer, Chris. I, we I were very much about am. It last night, and I was, we have, I was and trying to remember what the temperature was. I was like twenty-two point five. Like looking I gave at him you. nothing. I gave him nothing. <laughs> I'm a teacher. I gave him nothing. No nods. No. No. No nothing. sparkle in the eyes. No, and this vein in my forehead as well. It didn't didn't even start pumping when he went twenty two. I'm like, that's fucking wrong. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't give him anything. I didn't give him nothing. Now, um, the the temperature at which you ferment will change the ratio of bubblegum to clove to banana. Okay, it's very important that you remember that because different yeasts at different temperatures will give you different ratios of those. Like. Just to throw out one, Mangrove Jack's MJ20, 22 degrees, is spot on. It gives you, for my palate, a perfect balance between the bubblegum and the banana. The clove, you're going to get that from the ferulic acid, which comes from your malt anyway. But the bubblegum and the banana, very, very, very balanced at 22 with the MJ20. But if you put WLP 300 at 22, in my experience... The bubblegum comes through too much and there's not enough banana, so you need the 22.5. With Imperial Stefan, which is absolutely my go-to wheat beer yeast now, I absolutely adore it, 21.5 degrees. 22 degrees, you get too much banana and it just tastes wrong, especially if you use Hallertauer Herzbrucker as your hop. It tastes wrong. It just there's Something happens with the, with the, the flavour mix between the hop and the banana and it tastes weird um but if you ferment it at like 20 you get too much bubble gum so you end up with that that same medicinal flavor that you were talking about that oh that did anyone ever have jawbreakers as a kid yeah do you ever have jawbreakers yeah, I remember those. The, the super big ones that took you four hours to <laughs> suck your way yeah. through yeah them ones well when you got to the center and you had the last layer and you could finally crunch it yeah to get to the bubblegum that was the flavor that i got a really sweet bubblegum flavor and it was weird it was so wrong so yeah 21.5 for stefan and then you know up and around that um so what about what about the uh the safale hefeweizen yeast do you ever use that wb06 i think it's no cool. never used it you not Never used it. It's a dried one. I, I tend not to use dried yeast anymore. No, fair enough. You like to slant and get 600 million brews out of your one I'm, I'm liquid yeast pack. tight. <laughs> I'm a tight Yorkshireman. What do you expect? <laughs> <laughs> we haven't all got the same amount of money as you, Owen. I mean, you know. <laughs> I can't be chucking 10 quid on a packet of yeast for every brew. No, I'd, I'd like to add, I'll, I'll chip in. I, I tend to try and be thrifty with my yeast. 
I've, my wife loves the fact that the entire top shelf of our fridge is full of jars. Of, I bet uh, she doesn't. Yeast, yeah. <laughs> I bet she really doesn't like that at all, does she? No, she's fine. She's fine. She's she's never mentioned it. So, what have you had as far as um, commercial examples of this go? Because you were talking about Polana. Yep. Have you had Weinstefana? I have had a bottle of that. I got a bottle of that from my local brew shop, or bottle shop in Southampton called Bitter Virtue. And I went in there and said, right, Give me some uh, classic examples of a, a German wheat beer, Hefeweizen. And he pointed me towards that. And that was very enjoyable. I was, that was a, a good a good beer. That's a really nice yeast, that one as well. Uh, y yeast 3068. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really, really nice one. Um, I've actually got uh, a clone recipe for Weinstefana itself, mm. which is... One of the closest clones I think I've ever made. I mean, we shouldn't really call it a clone, should we? We're never going to replicate big batch brewing on a small batch scale. No. It's never going to happen. But the uh, let's call it a tribute, you know. <laughs> I'm half tempted to burst into song here. <laughs> Let me say, this is a tribute. Get your guitar out. You know that quick. one? No, I can't play. Um, but the um, the the. The tribute that I did to to Vine Stefana was was a pretty damn fantastic uh, a beer. I'll quite happily send you the recipe for that one over if you want it, mate. Do it, mate. That would be good. I think, in fact, I think the last Hefeweizen I brewed, I used that Y yeast. Yeast. Um, not that I did it justice to add, but. Um, and I've I've used the Mangrove Jacks dried yeast as well. MJ twenty. Yeah, MJ twenty. That was the second one. I can't remember what I used in the first. That was a long time ago. That is a great, great yeast. That Mangrove Jacks one. I used to absolutely swear by that one until I discovered Stefan. Yeah, it's a fantastic yeast. Really, really is. Uh, and it's available in all good local homebrew stores, which is beneficial. Because um, if you wake up on a Saturday morning and suddenly decide you want to brew a wheat beer, and you've got a decent local homebrew shop that's open on a Saturday, which most of them aren't, uh, you can always whip down. And normally they have the Mangrove Jacks one in stock, um, unless you're me and happen to, you know, only have one decent homebrew shop anywhere near you, and they don't stock it because it's Mangrove Jacks and they want to stock some other crap. Um, but yeah. That's that's pretty much that's pretty much what we've got as far as what Stewie wanted to know. Um, the only other thing that I would point out on this one is there is or there seems to be at the moment uh, a large portion of brewers on the Facebook groups that I'm actually allowed to be a member of because they haven't banned me yet um, who are talking about brewing calendars. Let's let's just sit here and have a little bit of a tangent about this one, Owen, let's because for me, brewing calendars are fucking bullshit. I'm just going to come out and say it, okay? If if you have to justify when you're going to brew a beer based on the distance away from the sun and the relative amount of daylight that we get, then I'm sorry, but why the hell would you do that? 
Why would you do that? If I want to drink a stout in the middle of summer, you better believe I'm going to brew a stout in the middle of summer. I'm not going to abide by somebody's goddamn convention on when I should and should not brew. Well, that's the that's the beauty of homebrew, isn't it? Like, you have got complete control over what you make, how you make it, and in this case, when you make it, right? Yeah. But I guess there are a few exceptions, right? Most people are going to want to brew uh, your Imperial Stout sometime in the summer, getting ready for the winter months, right? I mean, I can understand why people are going to want an Imperial Stout around for Christmas, but I brew mine in December for the following year. Because impies tend to take a really long time to kind of settle off. Do you never find that? Yeah, and I mean, like, I think if you can keep it like in the keg or in a bottle for 12, if not more months than that, perfect. I mean, if you... Even if you're drinking like a, an MP that you bottled two years ago, you know that's going to be uh, that's going to be ideal, right? Yeah, but th- this is my entire point. If if I want to brew an imperial stout in September and then drink it at Christmas, what's wrong with that? Because th- this is, I mean, I'm all for a bit of bluster, okay? But you tell me. Do you brew based on a calendar? No. I mean, I have in the past had like a brewing schedule, right? But that wasn't necessarily to do with the time of year. That was simply a case of like me working out what I've got in what keg, what I'm going to brew next. Um, that was that was me in my probably most excited phase of home brewing like two years ago you know really wanted to like optimize my uh, brewing schedule and you know how I'm going to sort of package the beer and all that sort of stuff but it was nothing really to do with oh you know it's it's springtime I'm going to have to brew that particular style and you know all that kind of thing I'm, I've always been an advocate just brew what you want to brew right like I'm not sure if anyone's seen my latest video. That was um, that was a clone of a 6.2% hazelnut chocolate stout, and and I brewed that beer in July. I was like, but there's there's a lot of people who'd say you couldn't do that. Apparently, but I wanted to do it because I wanted a chocolate stout. No fucks. Isn't given. that just the isn't that zero fucks given? Isn't that just the, the, the beauty, as you said, of home brewing? Is you can brew what you want when you want to brew it. Yeah. Now, there are certain beers, and I can understand this. There are certain beers that take a little bit of time to calm themselves down and to be ready to be drunk at their best. Okay? I understand that. But that doesn't mean that I don't want a chocolate stout on for the hot months of the year. Not that we get many, but for the hot months of the year, for like July and August. Because I like to have a decent chocolate stout with certain meals. Yeah. And I know that those meals are going to get cooked during July and August. So why wouldn't <laughs> I have a chocolate stout on for that? We. Why wouldn't I have a lager on for New Year's Eve 
when I know full well that I'm going to be drinking a lot of stuff and there's going to be people coming round to my house who want to drink lager. Why wouldn't I have a lager on for that? Yeah, I think for me, for me, I'm always thinking about, you know, I've got I've got a kegerator, can fit five, maybe six kegs in there. And for the most part, I'm always thinking about variety, right? Like, I'm a person that likes variety in terms of the beers available to me to drink at any one point in time. I'm thinking about a spread of ABV. You know, I want something that's going to be like 8%, but I also want something that's going to be like 3 or 4%. And at any one time, I might have a 8% double IPA and a 3.5% Villain Advice and and a stout and you know whatever like hokum stump mm. i would say brew that any time of the year doesn't matter absolutely that, that is such a banging recipe you're going to enjoy that regardless of what time of year it is Lar- lager i mean the lager arguably is a year-round you know style of beer right i mean you are going to enjoy that when it's nice and hot and you know you want to be out in the lawn and 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 enjoying the sun yeah you're going to enjoy a lager like that's probably the peak moments of lager right but you're also going to enjoy a lager as you said at christmas time when you've got people coming round you know so i would say you don't have to be constrained by the time of year and the season that said i would say that certain styles suit certain periods of time in the year. For me, like a sour, wow. like a sour, for example, that's like a summer drink, right? Maybe there's, maybe there's certain styles, perhaps. I mean, how's the feeling of that fence post up your ass, mate? Because you're sitting on the fence on this one, <laughs> aren't you? Maybe, huh? maybe. I'm saying. I mean, well, yeah, I am, Chris. Thank, <laughs> thanks for the call out. <laughs> I think the bottom line for me is, if I want to drink a certain style of beer, you better damn well believe I'm going to brew it. And I understand that people want to roughly plan out what they're going to brew and when. I get it, okay? But there's nothing that says you can't make your impy stout in December in order to drink it the following December to give it a full year to just calm down and settle out and mature. There's no reason why you can't brew a lager in October in preparation for New Year's Eve when your uncle, who only knows two words when it comes to beer, and the first one's Stella and the second one's Artois, and he turns up and he's going, oh, I want a Stella Artois, I'm not drinking any other shit. It's like, well, fine, there's a tap over there, it tastes roughly like Stella, take your moustache and fuck off. And I I don't understand this need to say, right, you can only drink stouts in the darker months. You can only drink wheat beers in the summer. You can only drink lagers in the summer. You can only do this then. You can only do that then. If that's the case, then why the fuck am I brewing my own beer? I might as well just go to the shop and buy it. Do you know what I mean? That's what pisses me off. And I'm not one to be constrained by the masses. I mean... I still wear fucking cargo shorts, for God's sake, and apparently they went out of fashion in 1998. What do I care? I think you're lucky, actually, Chris. I've heard 90s fashions coming back around, so... Well, shit, I guess I'm fucking relevant again, aren't I? (laughs) 
cargo shorts and a hoodie. You're nailing it, mate. You're absolutely nailing it. <laughs> Versace is going to give me a call soon, aren't they? They're going to turn up wanting me to model for him. I think he's he, he's quite a big fan of the uh, Hop Edition, from what I hear. Is he? Yeah. He's going to need a wide-angle fucking lens to get my ass in it, isn't he? <laughs> no, I, think, I don't know. Yeah, I think... Um, like, just echo, I guess, my uh, my first point is like the point of homebrewing. I think you've made this point already, Chris, but the point of homebrewing is like we're making our own beer. You're you're the master of your own universe, right? When you're in your brewery, you can make what you want, when you want it, how you want it. And, and that is the beauty, I would say, of all grain brewing, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'd agree with you completely. And I think that is where... That is where this whole argument of you must brew this then and you must brew this then. I understand that if you want to give a beer the full Oktoberfest treatment, so if, you, if you've if you brewed a Marzen, you want to give it the full Oktoberfest lager, you've got a spare fridge, you put it in the keg, you get it carved up, you seal that keg, you leave the gas connected, and you just let it sit for four months. I understand. If that's what you want to do. But for me... My Marzen tastes perfect after a month in the keg. What, why would I need to give it five months? I can't imagine this beer tasting any better than it does right now. I really can't. So, for me, I'm going to brew what I want when I want. Owen's obviously the same. He wants a range of ABVs on his kegerator. I, I just think, personally, brew what you want when you want to do it, and that is all that, all that we should know. Um, so what's question for you, Chris, right? What, okay, what in then. the uh, in the eyes of the those that believe in the brewing schedule? Where's the Hefeweizen thing? Apparently, uh, it should be brewed in May for consumption in early summer. All right, good to know. What, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll get right round to never doing no, that. Thank noted you. and ignored. <laughs> noted and duly fucked <laughs> off. Yes. Um, so so yeah, um, I I think at this point in time my glass is empty. I don't know about yours. I'm still going, but I did have two. So keg, you did have two. Kegerators all the way downstairs in the garage. So you know. Oh, I, so you brought a second just in I case. I came well prepared. Right. Well, I tell you what, Owen. We're 45 minutes nearly into this podcast. I think it's time to take this to a commercial break. Good idea. I think so. Right. Today's commercial break is a pretty boring one for me, I've got to be honest. Um, I haven't had chance to go to Morrison's. I've had a hell of a day. I've had a hell of a week. It's my first week back at work since March. Um, things have been rather busy. The kids are back at school and I am in demand. I think that's probably the best way to describe it. So... Um, I apologise, it's not another wild child beer, you're in luck, um, but I am going to bust out one which I've been I've been meaning to drink for a while. It's only been sat in the fridge for about two and a half weeks, this beer, but we're going to go with Jamestown by Thornbridge Brewery, which is a 5.9% New England IPA. Now, this was recommended to me. By quite a lot of people. A lot of people have said that this is worth it. Now, it's a Nieper, so I'm going to invert the can a couple of times. Not that, you know, Thornbridge are going to have done anything funky with it. 
It says it has got uh, it's soft in body and huge in character. <laughs> Just like me. Expect a bouquet of stone fruit and citrus, followed by followed by flavors of papaya and pineapple on the part. And I bet you there's fucking tangerine in it as well. It has Galaxy Nelson Sovin Citra Mosaic. It is a hazy gold, vegan suitable beer with flavors of papaya, pineapple, stone fruit, citrus, tangy peach, and pecan salad. So it's going to be a nutty beer. Pecan salad. I can't say. I've I've never had a pecan salad. I can't say I've ever seen that described on a can. Literally, that's what it says. (laughs) Pecan salad. Amazing. Yeah, no idea. So, uh, this is the Thornbridge one. Thank God it's only a 330ml can, because most of you guys know what I feel about commercial beers. I'm not the world's biggest fan. I'm, so. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interrupt briefly, Chris. Go on, then. I don't, I don't think I've had this beer. But You've not had I this one? I haven't had this beer. I don't think. But I've not heard great things about it. Well, that'll make a change. Seems like I bought another shit one. But that said, you've had a lot of people say and rec- you know say it's good and recommended it. So I have. I'll be I'll be interested to know how you get on. There's a lot of papaya on the lid. Suck. How's the How's the salad? You getting mu- <laughs> You getting much salad? I'm getting no salad, mate. No pecan? I, no, I don't even know what a pecan tastes like. Or smells, to be honest. I can tell you what a cashew smells like, but not a pecan. Right. On the nose, I'm getting Nelson off the bat. That Earl Grey kind of whiny tea kind of tannic smell. Alright. There's a shitload of fruit in it. An absolute shitload of fruit. I am getting papaya. I'm getting a little bit of pineapple. Owen's vaping his tits off at the moment. Yeah, there's a lot of fruit in this. There is a lot of fruit. I'm getting a little bit of that... Um, uh, that Bramling Cross Centennial kind of... Plummy stone fruit smell. Yeah, okay. Like hedge, hedgerow get... kind of thing. Yeah, that kind of uh, black brie, kind of red currant. The, yeah, the stone fruit, hedgerowy type smell. Yeah, right. I'm getting a bit of sweaty socks, which is coming from the mosaic. It's a, It smells really nice. What do you reckon to the colour on that one? It's not Timmy standard, but it's not far off, is it? Yeah, I mean, it's nice, it's nice that like light golden colour. I mean, I don't know what, like, your web, UHT webcam. UHT pineapple juice? Yeah, I'd say that's, like, definitely where most commercial Neepers are pretty much at for, for colour. Probably not as it smells hazy. lovely. Certainly not like a proper Merc bomb, but I don't know, maybe it is. Now you've... Now you've Pulled it back from the camera. It's pretty murky, right? Oh, it's murky. It is opaque, let's put it that way. Nice head, by the of it. Nice bit of lacing. Oh, I do like a bit of head. Oh, 
the flavour on it's rather strange, and I'll I'll tell you why. Okay. The Citra and the Mosaic are playing really, really well together. Okay, Citra and Mosaic, they're a match made in heaven. The smell always gives me a bit of sweaty socks. But they always play well together. They're a, they're a good pairing. This galaxy has never seen a boil kettle. It hasn't. That super astringent bitterness that you get when you boil galaxy from the, uh, the beta acids, yeah. none of that's there. The Nelson is a really good framework. It's a really good base level for everything to be built off of. And that, I think that's what they've done with this beer. The Nelson, maybe the Citra, went in probably partially during the boil. And I think everything else has either been whirlpooled or dry hopped. Because there is almost no bitterness in this beer at all. Mm. Almost none. The flavour is, it's less, there's, there's no actual bitterness. There's none of that bitterness that you get at the back of your throat. But there is that loads and loads and loads of hops in the whirlpool kind of, you know, flavour more than actual bitterness. Do I like it? I'm not getting any tangerine, I'll be honest. There's no tangerine. Which is leaving me disappointed. But, I'd probably drink that again. I would. But, but how you've described that beer, it sounds pretty good. Hmm. It sounds pretty good. Let's put it this way, I'm a tight Yorkshireman and I'm going to drink the rest of this. Good on you. What I get, weirdly enough, I've just got it there, just a sec. Is it pecan salad? I'm getting something that could be called nutty. Oof. But I'm also getting orange chewits. For those of you old enough to remember what a chewit is, it was a chewy sweet that used to come in packets and they were 15 pence for a full pack when I were a kid anyway. And I'm getting orange chewits, which were never actually orange flavoured. They were kind of tropical fruit. So almost umbongo-y. And that's what I'm getting on this beer. It's nice. They were almost like... You remember fruit salads? Mm. They were almost a bit like that, right? Yeah, man. Yeah. That kind of... That kind of tropical fruit flavour that's not quite tropical enough. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's a good beer, that. I like that. That is a good beer. I'd I'd happily pay one pound fifty for another can of that. Yeah, I think. Well, I mean, Thornbridge, like uh, you can get in most supermarkets, right? Like they're pretty, yeah. like they're kind of more the macro end of craft, right? Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah, uh, I got that from Morrison's. You love a bit of Mosses, don't you? I'm all about Morrison's, mate. It's the only place near me that has a decent beer selection. Yeah, I, I struggle in terms of supermarket beer selections. I haven't really got any decent supermarkets near me that do. But they don't have good craft beers in Waitrose, do they? Well, no, but they do They do have papayas. <laughs> they have those in Sainsbury's, mate. 
<laughs> oh no! Unfortunately, I'm a I'm a little shopper, and sometimes you get lucky in little, right? Yeah. Sometimes they do have like some some decent craft beer in that the the beautiful middle aisles. You know the 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 aisles that I look forward to. It's like it's the only place where you can get a set of bathroom scales, a chop saw, some chopsticks, and a set of plates. Exactly. Yeah, and like a like a I don't know, like an oil filled heater. Oh yeah. And a, and a lawn chair <laughs> and a chainsaw and a lawn mower. Yeah, it's like the interlude to normal grocery shopping. <laughs> it's like the bit I look forward to most. It's like that's not a bad description. It's though. like the browse shopping. And then normally followed by some impulsive purchase of something I definitely did not need. I w- I, I've got a story about Lidl. I went in to buy, um, oh God, what's those German sausages? The ones that are Bratwurst. boiled called. Not Bratwurst. Bockwurst. Uh, not Bockwurst either. Uh, I can't remember. My mate Carl would be able to tell me because he told me. Because you get the frikadellen, don't you? The little um, sausage balls called frikadellen. Yeah, right. Um, I went to get some of them because um, I make a dish with um, gorgonzola, gruyere, these sausages uh, in a very spicy tomato sauce. It's really nice. And I can never be asked to make my own. Um but I went in there to buy some of them. Literally, a pack of those sausage. Right. And I came out with... Uh, Two passive infrared <laughs> garden lights <laughs> and a new toilet seat. <laughs> the wife went mental at me. She's like, "You only went in for some sausage." I'm like, "They were a bargain." <laughs> you just sort of come out and then you look look down at the bags and go, "What the fuck happened?" Yeah. Like what? What? I've got no memory of buying any of this. It's like there's a fucking hypnotist standing inside the door because you will buy shit. Is, you will buy it shit. It's awful. Oh, in fact, when was I? I was literally in Lidl yesterday. Yesterday. And I went in to get some specific stuff. And Did you have a list? I didn't have a list. I knew what I needed to get. I had inst- very clear instructions from the wife about what I needed to buy. Didn't stop me having a good browse. Love the power tool section. Did you come out with a universal chop saw? I didn't. No. No, I've already got a chop saw, so it's fine. So there you go, like little... Oh, I thought you were going to tell us you came out with a reindeer or no, something. No, no, I actually stuck. I stuck to plan. Stuck to plan. You stuck to the list. That's all right. I can't do that. Incidentally, while we're talking about low-cost budget supermarkets, others do exist other than Lidl. Have you ever tried Aldi's wheat beer? I haven't, no. I am a big, big fan of Aldi, though. Mate, go in there. They do them in a bottle. The bottles are fucking amazing. Uh, The 500ml bottles, and they do a wheat beer with a monk on the front. Mm. It looks kind of like Paulana, but it's not. It's something different. I can't remember what it's called. Um, but Jesus Christ, that is a phenomenal wheat beer. Is it? It's a really good one, yeah. I think yeah, you know, Audi generally do some really good, do some excellent wine. Yeah. And do you know why their beers are so good? Specifically, the German-type beers. Because they actually come from fucking Germany. Yeah, well, Audi and Lidl are both German 
companies, right? Yeah. Yeah. Un- unlike most British supermarkets where their German beers come from fucking Burton-on-Trent. <laughs> oh, somewhere shit like that. It's like, no, I want my German beers from Germany, thank you. That's another rant I could go off on about, but I'm not going to because, you know, I've made beer in my shed. You can, you can, you can save that for the, uh, the Dunkle podcast. I don't think there will be a Dunkle podcast. That's a very oh, niche market. No, the Marzen the podcast you are I could do, do that one. Yeah, it's a very niche market. It's like um, it's like ginger midget transvestite porn. Yeah. You know, the only person I know who's into that is Graham Preston. Big fan. He's a big fan because he is a ginger midget. But anyway, uh, let's move on. Uh, I love you, Graham. Um, what have you got in your can today, then, Owen? Right, I'm. Uh, I'm also rocking. I can only assume a New England IPA by style because it's uh, a beer from Verdon Brewing Company. So this is. Oh wow! This is called big hitter. A big hitter. It is a double IPA at eight percent. Oh, God. We're on for a tricky situation oh, here, ladies and yeah. gentlemen, whereby Owen's going to be battered in the next 20 minutes. We could have some slurring in the next 20, 25 <laughs> minutes. It's called Unconventional Tactics. It's got some really cool artwork on it. It's like some sort of... I'll try and show Chris. Some sort of, like, Japanese dude hovering in the air. That looks like a ninja stuff. frog. That looks like a ninja frog with a snake round his neck. Yep, I'll go with ninja frog. Um, it says it does. It talks a bit about the artist whose name is Sonja Hunsler. Keeping with the German theme, I can assume maybe she's German with that surname. Um, she's an illustrator based near Falmouth. Her work veers erratically between the erotic, fantastic, and fashionable. I need to find out some of her Check art. Check her out. www.sonyahensler.com Wow. I'm going to have to look that one up because if she does erotic art, I'm in there. Well, I mean, if it goes, if you base it on what's on this can, which is not really erotic, there is a koi carp on there, um, then she's a solid artist. It's good shit. So this is well, this is a double IPA. All it tells me is hot side, Nelson Sovin, cold side, Nelson Sovin. So it's a all Nelson double IPA. So this could be it's interesting. Be a blast. I'm guessing it's going to be a New England double IPA. The pour is murky. Big white head. What do you think of that, Chris? Fucking hell. That don't look bad at all, that, mate. That, again, looks like concentrated pineapple it juice. actually almost exactly the same as the uh, the Jamestown. I'll give... Jamestown's a little darker, but yeah, I'll get you. As with any verdant beer, I can smell it, like, from about 18 inches from my face. <laughs> it's a fruit bomb. It's grapey. Grapey, grapey. It's whiny. Like my ex-girlfriend. It smells great. Yeah, 
Not much more to say about that one. I'll give it a slurp. Go. Mm. It's probably a little warmer than it should be, given I've got it out of the fridge about... When did we start, Chris? An hour ago. An hour ago. Came out of the fridge an hour ago. How do I describe that? That's very distinctive. I mean, it's classic Nelson, but the flavour is very distinctive. I mean, it's quite... It's got a like, kind of sweetness that you get from like a double IPA, right? It's got that kind of almost kind of jamminess to it. Um, mm-hmm. But it's got very distinct gooseberry kind of gooseberry jam that's what I'm getting from that I'm going in for another slurp mmm there's something there's something reminiscent that I'm like it's on the tip of my tongue has to what well, whilst whilst Owen thinks about this one, I just want to uh, I just want to tell you guys exactly what I was getting. You know when Owen he takes a drink and then he thinks about something, you get that that vague silent pause. It's kind of like watching a striptease. It is. It's like inside you're screaming, just take the fucking bra off. But outside you're thinking, Do you know what? I'm actually quite enjoying this. This man's is good. He's good when it comes to this kind of thing. <laughs> thanks mate that's a, a, a vote of confidence I think there was an element of sarcasm in there but no there wasn't there genuinely wasn't I need to I need to do this podcast with a girl God, it's it's it is a com it's quite a complex beer for a single hot beer it's fair it's got some complexity to it wow so that actually must come from the interplay between the malt, the alcohol, and the actual hop. Then. I think so, and I think actually Nelson is is quite a complex hop, right? It very much is. I'd agree with it that. It plays in a lot of different ways depending on how you use it. The dry hop of Nelson is very, very different to the boil sort of flavour of Nelson in my sort of experience. Yeah. I mean, I'm getting. You can you. I'm getting like lime zest. I'm getting like a floral, a slightly floral thing going on. Well, Nelson's a. It's a New Zealand New World hop, isn't it? So you're going to get some sort of lime in it. Definitely limey. He looks to be enjoying this one, John. Yeah, he he seems to be enjoying this one. It's kind of a. It's that gooseberry thing, but without the gooseberry sharpness. You know, like it's kind of a sweet, rounded gooseberry flavour going on. Gooseberry jam? Yeah, definitely gooseberry jam. Although I'm not sure yeah. if I've ever, ever eaten gooseberry jam before. So You should try it. It's a, it's a revelation with a decent, mature cheddar. I'm going I'm to guess that's what gooseberry jam tastes like. It's pretty effing good. Yeah. You, you'd rate that one, would I you? I would highly rate that but then i'm not sure if i've ever not rated a beer out of verdant brewing company so if you were to give that a mark out of 10 what would you give it i reckon i'd give it a i'd give it an eight and a half chris holy shit eight and a half that's 
that's impressive for a single single hop beer. They've got a lot. That, they've got a lot out of that hop. That's impressive. I mean, I mean, as I've already said though, if you use Nelson in the boil and then dry hop with Nelson, you do tend to get two very contrasting flavors. Yeah. You really do. Um, I've never actually looked up the. I've never looked up the profile of Nelson to see exactly what's in it as far as you know the alpha acids go, but um, it's pretty high, right? Yeah. Well, not the alpha acids, the um, the terpenes. I've never actually looked into it what it is, but I know it's it's quite high. But yeah, sounds like a good bit. Would you recommend that? Would you recommend that to our listeners? I would. I'd highly recommend that. But that said, I don't think it is a. Um a core beer for Verdant. So it's it's called Unconventional Tactics. Uh, I picked it up a little while ago. I read good things on a few of the craft beer um, Facebook groups. A lot of people raving about it. So I thought I'd pick... I only picked up one can of it from Honest Brew. Um, but definitely enjoyable. Don't know if they've still got some in stock. I shall check for our viewers. We have viewers? Listeners, <laughs> see, I'm used, yeah, I'm used to the the YouTube land. I might might like to add actually, Chris, that I think when you're like, you like, you know, I'm doing my YouTube videos and stuff. I'm always thinking, well, I can edit this out later, you know, like especially doing beer reviews. You know, I tend to like have a sip, think about it quite a while. You know, I'm sort of like really mulling over like what I'm trying to to kind of taste. It's a little bit different when you're on the podcast and you're like, it is. I'm having to, I'm having to like, you know, try and come up with this stuff quite quick. And oh yeah, you have to be a professional to do podcasts, mate. Right? Anybody can do a YouTube video. It's true, it's true. And I, I, and if I'm totally honest, I think I've still got some way to like developing my palate and kind of understanding what it is I'm actually tasting and kind of being able to like. I'm getting better at it, and I'm sure other people are kind of gonna to to relate to this point. But when you sort of first start brewing and you start tasting your beers, and you you know off flavors is kind of one thing. You you know you and Tricky have talked a lot about that. And as a home brewer, you need to learn all of those flavors and how to kind of sort of notice that and, and almost log it mentally. And then it gets on to like tasting your beers and figuring out, you know. You know, this is what I'm tasting, but it tastes a bit like mango, or it tastes a bit like tangerine, or and but it takes that kind of there's like some sort of neural pathway that's kind of linked from your taste to your sort of I know what I'm actually tasting, and I can link that back to oh that's pineapple or whatever. So mm. I think it's like there's a learned skill, isn't there? And I think that's something I, I that would, you have to. I learn. would definitely agree with that. It's it's not something that comes off immediately, you know. It's like um, if you were to, I don't know. Let's say you're an enthusiastic amateur chef, which I know both of us are. Um, we both got smokers. Incidentally, did you get the video I sent you earlier on? I did, but um, I was actually at Poulton's Park, which, which oh is, yeah, you were mid party, weren't you? Yeah, it's my son's fourth birthday today, and. Um, Happy birthday to the little man. Yeah, little Jack was four today, and we had a little party this morning, a bit of cake, and I made pancakes for the family. 
Um, and we went off to Poulton's Park, which is which is a I'm not sure if anyone's ever heard of Pepper Pig World. I have heard of Pepper Pig. Pepper Pig World is down in uh, in Southampton, and uh, Poulton's Park is basically like the theme park that sits around that. So and we're season ticket holders, given it's just 25 minutes down the road. With aircraft and um, and I might add, I was pretty hungover today, Chris. I don't know why that would. I'm be. not sure if you noticed last night when we were chatting about you know pre- what the, you were utterly fucked. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd started at four p.m. Clearly had had a few beers by the time we got onto um, onto our chat and, uh, and and continue from there. I was feeling pretty rough this morning. Uh, and I might add that going to a place called Pepper Pig World with a hangover, not recommended. I can imagine the amount of pink that you would uh, encounter would be quite nausea-inducing. The fact that they just constantly pipe at you for the entire duration of your time there. Pepper Pig. Exactly. Yep, you get the vibe. Uh, anyway, my 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 daughter walks around constantly, and every single dog that she sees, she just points at it and calls it Danny. Nice. Yeah, she's only two. Bless her. I cut her some slack. Bless her. When, how did I get onto that anyway? I've gone off on an own personal tangent. I've no idea. How did Son's you get onto this birthday, one? Birthday, fourth birthday. Uh, hungover. Yeah. Beers, many beers yesterday. Yeah, I've got no, no idea. I've got to this one. Lost myself. Anyway, honest brew. Still have cans of Verdant Unconventional Tactics Double IPA. I might add, it is, if you're a member, seven pound fifty eight a can. Wow, wowzers! How much could you make? Wow, that is that how is much a could you make? Beer. Well, th- this is where I sort of this is where I disagree with the purchase of beers from these um, let's call them mega microbreweries. Mm. Because if you've got a dipper that you're going to buy from them that's seven fifty a can, then I'm pretty sure that you could almost replicate that recipe quite easily. For probably one pound ten a pint. Yeah, if you've got if yeah. you've got the skills to make it, I guess right. Cause it can't be that hard. I mate. don't know. I think New England double IPAs. That is a style of beer that is challenging. That is a challenging style of beer to brew. I think... Oc- I, I don't brew anything that high ABV. I, I mean, I, I have only brewed um, one New England double IPA. And that was the beer that I entered to the Nationals last year under the specialty beer category. I think there was, there was a New England IPA category. So I entered that. Uh, and did reasonably well. I got a uh, honourable mention for that beer. I was very pleased with it. But it's not an easy style of beer to brew. I, I guess it's no more difficult than brewing any other New England IPA. It's just got to avoid oxygen. You've got to know how to dry hop your beer well. 
got to know how to transfer the beer, package the beer, all of that kind of thing, right? But I think it becomes a little bit more challenging once you add that couple of extra percent ABV. I think you've got to be making sure that your yeast management's good, that you're pitching the right amount of yeast, all that kind of thing. Because there's an, always a risk that you're going to end up with some unwanted fermentation flaws, right? Well, that that would be the worry thing for me. But as I've just said, I don't brew anything of that ABV. I mean, not on the regular anyway. No. I may brew an impy stout once every couple of years, but I'm never going to brew double IPAs. It's just not my bag at all, mate. It's not my bag. I can't say I do. I mean, I've probably only done it twice maybe i've done it i've yeah. done i've done that beer that i just talked about and i have brewed a um a clone of pliny the elder mm. and i'll tell you a funny story hey another tangent we'll go off on let's another, go. another tangent <laughs> so we're mid-tangent let's go back <laughs> onto another tangent tangent upon tangent we're getting meta so it wasn't, I think it was sometime last year, I, um, I'm i a member of a local homebrew club, um, which is called the Butcher's Hook Homebrew Club in Southampton. Butcher's Hook is a tiny, tiny little craft beer bar, and we have a homebrew club. It's a great club. And I was, I'd brewed some beer. I'd done that Pliny the Elder clone. I'd done the... New England double IPA. I had a few other beers in the kegerator. My Inkbird temperature controller, which I use on my kegerator, malfunctioned. Win. Great win. (laughs) I later tested it. I think it was something like 14 degrees out of calibration. So it totally fucked. It had just gone... I don't know what happened to it. Anyway... I'm there a few hours before turning up to Brew Club. I'm filling up some growlers, bottles with beer to take along to Brew Club. And I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, is this uh, pause going slow? What the hell's going on? And I'm having a really hard time getting the beer out of the tap. For whatever reason, I'm thinking, is it is the pop it clogged? You know, have I run out of CO2? What's the issue here? I, I know what's right. coming here. And I- and I've kind of eventually managed to get these growlers filled up. Kind of in my urgency of sort of trying to, like, manage bedtime with two toddlers. You know, trying to get out the door to get to brew club for 7pm. You know, all this sort of stuff. It's a bit stressful, right? I turn up to brew club. I start saying, you know, guys, right, I've made this New England double IPA. Entered it to the nationals. I got, a, a you know, a really good score for it. You know, let's try it. Turns out, I basically freeze distilled every single one of my beers in the kegerator, and I just pulled out a beer which I can only imagine might have been fifteen percent. Oh yeah, it, yeah, easily, it absolutely, just like tore you apart. And a few of the guys are like from the homebrew club of um, they they like to sort of talk about that night because. It was about the uh, the worst hangover they've ever had from a homebrew club meet on a Tuesday night. So you you freeze distilled a load of beer and took a growler full of it. 
It was, um, <laughs> it was full on. And it was a real shame. That, that sounds epic. It was epic. a real shame in the end because, one, once I actually defrosted all my beer, it kind of, it, it pretty much screwed the the New England double IPA. Thankfully, there wasn't too much left in there, but, and, uh, and on top of the fact that actually I wanted my brew club guys to be able to taste this beer and I just turned up with some Frankenstein version of the beer that I actually made. Wow. And uh, yeah, thanks, thanks, Ingbert. I bet that went down well. Um, so, uh, I don't know how quickly this podcast is going to go out. Probably tomorrow. So, it might go out on sort of Sunday the 13th or maybe Monday the 14th, depending on whether or not I get any time away from the kids tomorrow. Um, basically, there is a inkbird anniversary so if you are on uh amazon over the next sort of three or four days keep an eye on the inkbird page because there are some massive discounts coming on inkbird products um specifically on the itc range you may be able to pick up one of the wi-fi enabled inkbird things for i'm gonna be kind and say sub 20 quid maybe 15 15 quid or thereabouts i might have to snap myself up one so there's there's gonna be some bargains coming up let's put it that way i saw i saw that they were running a competition on facebook today yesterday i think they were celebrating this anniversary which is what was it 10 years I think it might be 10 years. Yeah, and uh, all you had to do was hit like and put some sort of comment, like any comment. Yeah. Um, and they were giving away, I think it was a, a Wi-Fi enabled ITC, and there was also like, one of their like heat pads, I yeah. think, which I wasn't fussed about. I'd just give me the Wi-Fi enabled ITC, please. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. They are brilliant. I've got one sitting over there on the fermentation fridge. But, um, yeah, fantastic. So, that's the commercial breakdown. It's probably the longest commercial break we've ever had on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I was um, going to say. I think, we're, we, I think we're 40 minutes on that commercial break. Are we talking about wheat beers? <laughs> yeah, something to do with wheat beers. Um, so, dragging this one back. We're going to lasso the horse and get that stallion back into the uh, back into the corral. Yeehaw! And, <laughs> hell yeah! Um, so we've already talked about the hop flavor and we've already talked about American wheats, but the one thing that we haven't really talked about, because this is such a massive issue with a lot of beers and it ties in quite well to what Owen was just saying about his double IPAs, the sweetness. Okay. Different beers have a different level of sweetness as you're drinking them. Now, I don't know about you, Owen, and I'll, I'll get your opinions in, in like 10 or 15 seconds, but... I'm not a big fan of beers where the bitterness to IBU, uh, the bitterness to gravity, is not well balanced for the style. Do you get what yeah. I mean? I'm not the world's biggest fan of those super sweet dippers where they've not really put enough IBUs in, where they're aiming for the New England kind of dipper, and they end up with something which is super sweet and super hoppy, but not actually got enough bitterness to balance everything out. You mean out. the beer I'm drinking right now? 
we'll go with that one. Um, it basically makes beers ridiculously hard to drink. And it can kill, literally it can kill stone dead a wheat beer with it being too sweet. So the sweetness that comes out from a wheat beer tends to be low to moderate because you've got a lack of hops. Let's put it nice. There's not very many hops in a wheat beer. They're put in there purely for preservative, which is why you need a fairly low finishing gravity. It's why most of mine, and I'll be honest, most of mine finish at 1010 to 10.08. I don't know why. I always seem to get a little extra push. 1010 to 10.08. And that tends to give me a beer which is drinkable, not super sweet, not super cloying. Nobody likes a cloying beer, do they? Never. It sucks. It sucks. You, beer should be easy to drink, okay? It shouldn't... You shouldn't have to chew it. Which is why... And the only the only thing that I can really like in a good wheat beer too, when it comes to mouthfeel, which again is something that Stewie wanted to know about, uh, medium light to light. Okay, so you should always end up with that kind of crisp flavour from a decent wheat beer, but it should never be in any way heavy. It shouldn't mash temperature somewhere in the region. Well what i tend to use is anywhere from 64 to 65 degrees i will normally if i'm doing an american wheat and i know i'm going to be putting a lot more hops in i will tend to bump it to about 65 if i know i'm doing a german wheat and i'm going to be sticking to the noble hops i will go with sort of 64 maybe 64.3 that kind of area doesn't make a massive difference on the final sort of gravity of it but as far as the mouthfeel goes you want it to be really light i mean you've drunk some wheat beers over the last week or so haven't yeah. you mate? yeah would you agree with that as a as a kind of descriptor for the way that they feel in your mouth it, yeah it's it's ultimately like this is a drink as i've said before this is a drinkable style of beer but it but it is when you talked about bitterness to gravity units, gravity. right? It's going to come out not necessarily a super dry beer, but it's not going to be a very high finishing gravity. But that said, what's interesting about this style, and we, you know, I don't want to move the conversation on too quickly, but carbonation, right? The style. No, of let's it, move straight to carbonation, the, mate. The, the carbonation on a Hefeweizen tends to be much higher than what you would typically find in in most other uh, ale styles. And that, in a way, I think actually helps to balance out the sweetness and the arguably kind of probably more malt-driven kind of flavour that you might get. Um... Because perhaps, you know, is there a bit of like a carbonic kind of thing going on there, Chris? Wow. A bit of, uh, Somebody strapped on his chemistry <laughs> pants tonight. Hold on, Google, Google. <laughs> I need to read more about carbonic acid. Yeah, so basically that's exactly what you're getting. So you're getting um, the typical sort of carbonation level 
um, will give you a really, really light, fluffy, almost flake-requiring head yeah. on a decent wheat beer. Uh, and it's anywhere from 3.2 to 3.6 volumes of CO2. Um, yeah, I'm just going to let Owen chunter on because clearly he's done some research on this bit. <laughs> no, you crack on, no I've, I've blown my load already. <laughs> Essentially, the reason why you need a fairly low finishing gravity on a wheat beer is because of this fluffy head. You're going to carbonate this to 3.6. So imagine, if you had a final gravity on your wheat beer of, let's say, 1014, which is not uncommon for bitters, not uncommon for certain IPAs. Now you put 3.6 vols of CO2 in it and try and get that bitch out of a tap. Yeah. <laughs> you're, go- you're going to have just a an absolute ice cream cone, aren't you? <laughs> you're going to need like a four litre glass to get like a, like yeah. a pint out. Absolutely. That's exactly what you're going to need. You're going to need a shovel um, too, just to get through the head. Yeah. Do you remember when you used to get those, oh, what did they call them? The little triangular ice cream things. And you used to get the little spoon. Oh, um, the little, like, like a, what's something ball? Yes, yeah, that's ball. the one. Screwballs. And you used to come with the little shovel to yes. get the uh, to get the ice cream out and shovel it into your face. Um, essentially, you're going to need some of them. But you need a fairly low final gravity to allow the 3.6 balls to actually produce the head that you're going to want from a wheat beer. It doesn't need to be so low that it turns into a pint of carling, okay? You you want you want some body, not very much, but you want some body in the beer, which means 10, 10, 10, 12, maybe. I mean, some people do recommend 10, 14, but if you go in 10, 14, you are not going to get 3.6 balls in it. You're really not. You're not going to get a decent pour time anyway. Um but you you want that decent amount of carbonation and a, a well poured wheat beer is an absolute thing of beauty. I don't know. Do you have many decent craft beer bars down near you? Yeah, I've got tons. Yeah, yeah, lots. Next time you're in a bar, which hopefully for your own safety and for that of your family, is not going to be anytime soon. But if you do, try and get a decent wheat beer that's actually on tap. Yeah. And just look at the size of the head. Because they do give you a decent... And if it's a really good one, they'll have the little metal thing yes, to scrape the, it off as well. The little pallet, like pallet knife. The, yeah. There's like a like a whole profession to that, right? I'm it fairly is, certain man. you can probably get like a university degree in in how to serve beer. And well, there is At the, the University of off. Bournemouth, you can... At the University of Bournemouth, you can get a degree in Britney Spears. All right. I shit you not. Is that one you've uh, added to your repertoire? No, I, I haven't done that degree because I don't give a toss about her. But, um, yeah, there, there are some fucking weird I don't degrees know. I out reckon, there. But... I reckon you've probably added a few tosses to her, haven't you? I, she's not my type, mate. <laughs> I'm not going to go into what my type is, but it's certainly not Britney Spears. Um, so yeah, that that kind of is where where the actual descriptors of the beer ends. Now I realise that we've just chatted for forty minutes about two commercial beers with two monumental tangents, but I'm not going to edit it out because I quite enjoyed that conversation. So when you made your three clove bombs. Yeah, go on. 
what did you use as far as your water profile went? So the first one was fairly on early on in my homebrew experience. So I was brewing in a kegel, brewing the bag, wasn't really playing with water profile at all. And the issue is probably the fact that the water in Southampton is super hard. Like most people across the country tend to experience really, really hard water. So I don't think I even really played with it much. And I think at that point, I wasn't even worrying about what the water profile, like how that was influencing the beer because I couldn't see past the the horrendous clove burnt rubber flavour of the beer says so it you know wasn't really an issue. I think the set So was that was that before episode six of the podcast where we did the whole water profile thing? Yeah. Long long okay. before that, yeah. I mean we're going back like two years, I think. You know, I've been brewing for I don't know, probably two and a half years, something like that. Uh, so it was pretty early on and then I think actually the other two uh, again I might have been playing with water profile in terms of using things like AMS, CRS phosphoric acid trying to buffer out some of the you know the the hardness from the water and then kind of replacing it with um, certain minerals just to kind of get in the region of um the right water profile but when you're talking about a german beer style really there's no other option unless you've got super soft water to go ro and i only went ro earlier this year six months ago maybe and i haven't i haven't brewed hefeweizen unsurprisingly given my track record uh <laughs> since then and uh so i think it should you know should i brew the beer again I'll be using my RO water and and, build, and building it's the not, profile. It's not should you. It's 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 when. When, when I brew that tomorrow, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I'll be using RO water and I'll be you know aiming for a, a specific style. Uh, and probably, probably, I'm going to clamp onto that comment now. If you brew this beer tomorrow, right? Then, uh, seriously, you better do a video about it on your Blue Trousers Brewery. You better. You can link it in nicely and get some extra hits off the podcast, I mate. will. That's I'll, I'll do saying. it just for you and the listeners. And I will, I will, I will send it viewers. out to you tonight. Your viewers, for your audience. Which I might add, I'm just going gonna, gonna to do a little plug before, you know, I should probably wait until the end. But, no, you go know, for I'm, it. I'm, I'm, I'm nearing 200 subscribers, and I've got a nice 200 subscriber gift prize. Oh, does he now? Which In I, that case, I better go and subscribe to his. Brewery. If you're not subscribed already, Chris, I'm going to virtually punch you in the face through this webcam. I, I'm just about to check. I'm sure you you are a subscriber. I yeah, am. I figured you would be. <laughs> I am. Um, so, if you're not a subscriber already to my YouTube channel, go check it out. Blue Trouser Brewer. <laughs> when I get near to 200 subscribers, I'll run a 200 subscriber uh, competition, and I will be giving away a, and I'm going to spoil it now, 
a nice wooden mash paddle. I know how Chris feels about wooden mash paddles. <laughs> so I'm fairly certain... Yeah, they look great on the wall. I'm fairly certain he's not going to enter the competition unless he wants to decorate the inside of his brew shed with a nice wooden paddle. But I was very kindly gifted this wooden mash paddle from Martin Rake at the uh, the malt miller when I purchased my uh, fairly expensive um, brewing system. Did did you buy the watering can from there I as did. well? No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that came from B&Q, didn't Other it? Other watering cans are available. <laughs> I'm having a chuckle about this because we were having a conversation last night. And uh, after slagging off Brutals users, um, me and Andy Lynch on the last podcast, I realised that Owen was the one who uses a watering can. <laughs> I had a little chat. I said to Chris last night, as I was decorating my downstairs loo on Tuesday, listening to him and Andrew chunter on about electric brewing and solid state relays. And then uh, Andrew, or I can't remember, I think it was Andrew mentioned about... It wasn't me. <laughs> ...about someone that's got a brutal system, me, uh, and is sparging, hand sparging, with a plastic watering can, me. I, I have to say that is probably the greatest piece of coincidence that's ever happened to me. <laughs> because, I mean, I love Owen to bits. He's, he's a very funny guy. And you can sit and have a ba- bit of banter with him whenever you want. He- he's a great lad. But me and Andy spent 10 minutes absolutely slaughtering people who spend six grand on a brewing system. And I could just imagine Owen listening to him going, fucking hell, they're talking about me, the bastards. Yeah, fuckers. No, I actually laughed my tits <laughs> off when Andy mentioned that. And I was like, yeah, uh, no, he's got a point. I've... And I'm well aware of this issue. And I'm sure the Brutals... Uh, manufacturers are well aware of this issue in fact the sparging is an issue it's an issue i can imagine that there is a brutals sparge water heater in the works right now and it will only cost you the measly price of 700 (laughs) pounds you wait you they're currently developing their fermenters right Oh so, dear yeah, lord! Honestly, these fermenters have got like more holes in than a fucking block of Swiss cheese. And honestly, I swear <laughs> to God, you're gonna need you're gonna need like eighteen freaking tri clamps just to like seal this thing up. Oh Jesus! And I'm Christ. fairly certain they're gonna be like in excess of a grand. I think. And how many are you gonna buy? Not gonna buy any. No, you're going to stick with I'm your Firmzilla, aren't you? I'm a Firmzilla boy through and through. Yeah, that's why I like Owen, because he understands a good product when he sees yeah. it. He still managed to buy Brutals, though. Um, let's move on. Um, <laughs> move on, move on. So, we've already touched on mash temperature. Now, I think the biggest thing, and I've left this until the end of the podcast, because this is such a massive, massive, massive choice when it comes to brewing a wheat beer, okay? We've talked all the way through about how the yeast is a driving factor. The yeast is the thing that decides what your flavour is going to be. The fermentation temperature decides your, you know, bubblegum to clove to banana ratio. It's going to decide on the level of balance within your wheat beer. And for me, 
personally, being a wheat beer veteran, let's say, somebody who's brewed many, many, many wheat beers, and will continue to brew many, many wheat beers at whatever time of the goddamn year I feel like, all right? Um, there is only three choices for yeast. And I've tried a lot. I haven't tried WB06, admittedly. But there are only three choices for me. And that is Imperial Stefan, because I love the, pr- the flavour profile of it. Mangrove Jack's MJ20, which is the dried version, which is generally available in most good local homebrew shops and is a fantastic yeast. And why yeast 3068? Why yeast 3068? The Vine Stefana strain, because that is, for me, the epitome, the original, the, the Don when it comes to wheat beers, okay? It is the original, and it is a great, great, great wheat beer yeast. Now, I could sit here and I could tell you 21.5 for this, you know, 22 for this, 21 for this. I could tell you temperatures that work for me, but my palate, as me and Tricky constantly say, my palate is not your palate. Your palate is not my palate. You may find that something tastes different, and I think it's important at this point to pull in a caveat of... I vape a hell of a lot. And when I vape, I'm vaping heavy fruit citrus flavours. And as such, you probably can't trust my palate as far as you could throw, I don't know, a toilet. Okay? So, it's important that even though I'm going to give you this information, and Owen's probably going to, you know, going to at least go with some of my recommendation for his yeast. Um... I think it's important to remember that even though I will recommend this to you, my palate is not your palate, and you need to make this choice yourself. White Labs do a strain, WLP 300. Now, I have not researched it at all, but from what I understand, it is the Vine Stefana strain. I may be completely wrong. Where I read that may be talking out of their arse, but for me, Stefan... MJ20, Y Yeast 3068 are the three strains of wheat beer yeast that I would recommend anybody who wants to brew one of these for the first time would go down the route of trying because I have had nothing but positive results from those three yeast. Vine Stefana is one of the most famous, best selling, wonderful wheat beers that you can get. It is an absolute session monster. It really is. You can crush pint after pint after pint of that stuff. It's amazing. I have never tried WLP 300. I've never needed to. I've had Stefan on slant and I've had 3068 on slant for nigh on three and a half years now. So, so I've never. It says it, it, says well, it Chris, on online, the interweb. Um. Is this the same one that reckons Jim Morrison and Kurt Cobain and Jimi Hendrix are servers in Kansas City? Exactly, it's my go-to source of information. Um, Wow. WLP 300, Hefeweizen yeast, White Labs. Uh, It says here, Y yeast equivalent is 3068. So it may well be that the White Labs one is in fact the, uh, the Vine Stefana strain. 
it's quite a prevalent strain. I'd, I'd be surprised if it wasn't. I I can't see that it isn't. I think Stefan is thirty sixty eight as well. But you've got to understand that with reproduction and with you know multiple generations, you do get slight little differences. Mm. So it may well be that the temperature difference, given the different balance, it may just be a mutation thing. I don't know. I'm 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 gonna suggest that from my knowledge of yeast, that is the only possible explanation for that. But it may well be that it's a completely different strain and I'm just talking out of my ass. It's possible, isn't it, Owen? It's possible. It's probably unlikely. I've... You're a, a learned I... man. <laughs> I read a lot. I did a really good job of covering for you going for a piss then, didn't you I? You did a great job, yeah. I, I, I slyly <laughs> messaged Chris on, uh, on Zoom via the chat. I need a piss. Yeah. And I left. I could... I cut him some slack. But yeah, it my personal choice, my go-to wheat beer yeast is Stefan. If I can't get any Stefan or I just fancy a bit of a change, I will go for 3068, the Vine Stefana, because I know that that too is amazing. And if I'm out of liquid and it's a short notice thing, I will go with MJ20. That's just, that's my order of things. It's a personal choice. You know, your mileage may vary, yeah. as they say on many different See, forums. See, I, I have a packet of the Safale dried yeast in my fridge, which I was actually planning on testing on a kind of a kind of mixed yeast fermentation for a New England IPA. So there is a website um, set up dedicated to attempting to clone um, a fairly famous American New England IPA, which is Treehouse Julius. Right? I've heard, you of, heard of that beer, right? I, I am aware of it. It's regarded probably as one of the best New England IPAs in, um, in America. And I think, actually, if you go find the website, he talks about mixing um, some hefeweizen yeast into the fermentation but only about two percent maybe one and a half percent just to add a little bit of uh that bubblegum banana kind of vibe and i was i was planning on doing that um and never got round to it uh on the basis that i actually chatted to a guy from a local homebrew club um, who said he'd tried it, he'd done exactly what this guy had recommended on the website, and he said it just came out with way too much banana. So I actually never bothered in the end. So I might just use that. I might use that for my next Hefeweizen. I might just ignore the that, last... That you're going to brew tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. I might ignore the last two and a half hours of discussion with you, Chris, and use an entirely different unrecommended yeast. Well, given that you are uh, a bit of a, a demon when it comes to Google searching, why don't you have a quick look and see whether or not WBO6 is in fact the uh, Vine Stefana strain? Because if it is, I don't think it makes that much of a difference. Yeah, it might not do. Um, vine. Here we go. You're going to hear some tapping. Sounds like an analog keyboard. 
There's a whole like brew sheet on there from Safael. Wow. Data sheet. A data sheets. Data. <laughs> data. Gotta get some data. It's funny as fuck when you hear somebody from New Jersey say the word data. It's hilarious. Data. Um, yeah, even my best Google efforts doesn't appear to be. Uh, I think I'm gonna have to go Reddit on this. You're gonna. You're, oh wow, he's going deep. He's going into Reddit. Yeah, I've gone to uh, Homebrew Talk. Wow. I think that's a that's an off off podcast search, Chris. You reckon? Yeah. I'm doing a quick. A quick check, and from what I'm reading, it is Vine Stefana, which doesn't surprise me because, as we've already said, I would reckon that the vast majority of wheat beer yeast that are out there are the Vine Stefana strain. That would be my my personal guess, but who knows? Um, the one thing that I will say about wheat beers and as as I've said, I am I am experienced when it comes to brewing them. My personal serving temperature for a wheat beer is eight degrees, which sounds high. But the reason why I do it is because I find if you serve it too low, you actually get suppression of the yeast flavour. You don't get that bubblegum banana, and it only really comes out as it warms up a little bit. So that's pretty much the last thing that I would recommend is that you try it. Try serving it a little bit warmer. I mean, I know most people tend to hold their kegerators and keezers at about 6 to 8 degrees anyway. But I found that 8 degrees is pretty much bang on for it. So uh, how do you serve your beers, Chris? Uh, normally using my hand into a glass. That's uh, always good advice for our listeners. <laughs> I I would I would recommend from from my own personal experience, if they're too cold, you don't get the hops. If they're too warm, they just taste a bit insipid. Um, I've not done massive amounts of research, but the one thing that I have found is. With the wheat beers, you serve them too cold and you do tend to get a suppression of the hop flavour of the malt. You just get a suppression of flavour in general because they're all volatile compounds, the ones that are going to give you flavour and aroma. And if you don't have an appropriate temperature, then you're not actually going to taste the beer too well. So you're talking about like the temperature you serve the beer at or the temperature at yeah. which you store the beer. It's the same thing for me. Because ultimately, like if you if you poured a beer at four degrees, let's say a wheat yeah. beer, it's mm-hmm. not going to take too long for that beer to then kind of come up into that kind of eight degree range, right? But or are you, I, I'm a cock on this one. Or are you saying that if you store it at four degrees, that's going to suppress overall the kind no. of esters within the keg or something? No. Only during the serving process. But I keep my glasses chilled. Wow. So the top shelf in my kegerator used to be bottles of beer. 
those bottles of beer have moved into the fridge that you can see just behind me. So the top shelf of my kegerator now is glasses. Nice. So I keep my glasses at the same temperature. And most of my glasses, aside from these things, which are, you know, fucking half a micron thick and don't really hold any kind of temperature at all, most of my glasses are quite thick. So they tend to insulate almost or provide a a temperature at which the beer is not going to fluctuate because i i still drink like i drank when i was on the rugby team at school uh not at school yeah i was gonna the say rugby team at uni i mean i did drink pretty much when i was on the rugby team at school but when i when i was at the rugby team at university it was four pints an hour every hour and if you didn't maintain that pace you had to play catch up yeah. So that was standard for me. And I've been conditioned to drink like that, so I tend to still drink like that. So in 15 minutes with a cold glass, you're not actually going to get that much of a temperature differential. Uh, you, see, you see, I'm a slightly different drinker. Like I I generally will like pour a beer and I'll be watching a movie or I might be I might sometimes just sort of sat about chatting to my wife or whatever. But I tend to like drink a beer over a fairly long period of time. I I don't talk to my wife. Fair dues. That's that's a that's personal <laughs> choice, Chris. <laughs> no, I do. Um, but I tend not to drink in the house. Um, I will pretty much only drink when I'm down here, uh, in the shed, because um, I I I just don't enjoy it. To be perfectly honest, she doesn't drink. And she complains. And yeah, I took one of the Neepers that I made, one of the Timmy Jenkins Neepers up there. And all she did was bitch her mum for 15 minutes that she could smell fruit. No, fair dues. What? Why bother? I'll, I'll stick to drinking in my shed. No, you see, my wife, like, she, she, she likes a drink. She likes a glass of Prosecco. She likes a gin and tonic. You know, so we can we can sit and chill and have a drink and whatever. So, so yeah. yeah, for me, like I don't, I personally keep my beers at one degree in my kegerator, simply from a from a storage point of view, right? From a wanting to keep them as fresh as possible for as long as I can, because the, yeah. your kegs don't last that long. I don't know. Do Some of them do. Sometimes. Not that often. I'm not. I'm not. I'm. I am by no means insinuating that you're an alcoholic. I'm just saying that you you definitely drink far more than I do. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I get through the kegs, but at the same time, it it wouldn't be surprising that I might have a keg still kicking about three or four months later. All right. So pretty much the same but, as me. Simply then. because you know I've got. I might have five or six kegs on. You know, so naturally, you know, some of those are going to be around for a little longer than than some of the others. It really depends on how good the beer is. So I just prefer to know that actually, like, my beer is going to stay fresher for longer. So I will sacrifice that that serving temperature perfection for longevity of the beer. Mm. That's, I mean, that that's makes sense to be perfectly honest it's it's not something i can do i mean once the extension to the house is complete and the loft conversion is done 
I've already told the wife with absolutely no room for wiggle at all that there will be a keezer built and it will be going in the kitchen. That, I mean, that is absolutely 100% happening. And she's already said, fine, if it means you spend less time in the shed. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm already nailed on with a winner for that one. Um, I mean, it won't take me as long to do it as Stuart Prince has taken, but um, I'll still make sure it's done right. And I've already asked Tricky to send me over the CAD files. Um, I've got a mate who's got a uh, a joiner's shop, and he's got a computer aided um, CNC nice. machine that that can basically carve wood. So I'm just going to give him the plans and say, make me the bits. And he'll make them, and I'll just literally put them together on top of the on top of the the, the freezer as Mint. it will be. But um, I'm not I'm not going to fanny about. I'm not going to say that my way is the only way. Uh, I know that a lot of people keep their beers cooler than I do, but these people probably don't have the same mental conditioning that I do when it comes to four pints an hour every hour or play catch up. Yeah, that's you know that's pretty much my deal so i'm sitting here at the moment i haven't had a beer in 35 minutes and i'm twitching because i'm thinking big rob's gonna turn up in a minute hand me four pints and tell me to neck him <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna say you didn't my... drink that last beer with your left hand so you're gonna have to down that one yeah exactly yeah you've got to neck this one followed by a whiskey chaser and he, that's what and i'm he's gonna, gonna get. stick his dick in it probably <laughs> which wouldn't surprise me i've had a few weird pints um, but yeah, I, th- I think wheat beers are one of those styles of beer. They're very forgiving. They're incredibly tasty. They are relatively easy to produce. And it's just a few individual points, which we've covered in this podcast from start to finish. It's just a few individual points that need to be really taken care of. Fermentation temperature, mash temperature, carbonation volume. And I think you can produce a wheat beer which is going to be fantastic. That's my opinion. I hope so. Fourth time's a charm, eh? So they say. (laughs) So there we go. Um, Blue Trouser Brewery on YouTube. Get in there for a chance to win Owen's prize of whatever it was. I can't remember what was it. A wooden spanking paddle. And, um, yeah, I, th- I think we should call and enter this one because I'm not going to be able to edit anything out. People are going to get the full, unadulterated, rambling hour in the middle of this podcast. <laughs> uh, and um, hopefully we should have covered wheat beers pretty well. Um, I'm not sure... I'm not sure if there's anything else for us to cover. Is there anything else that you want to say, Owen? No. I don't no? think so, mate. I cool. think uh, I think you've done a great job of covering uh, how to brew a wheat beer. I think I've added in some comical uh, renditions of how not to brew a wheat beer. Uh, and between <laughs> us, hopefully, people, our listeners, are uh, better informed on how to make a decent a decent uh, hefeweizen. I I think that's all we can ask for from this two hours of entertainment. So, 
Next episode, hopefully, will be either Marzen beers or it will be IPAs. I'm I'm not going to tell you who I want to get on for those episodes. I'm just I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to ruin the surprise because they might still say no. Um, but I do think that if the person that I've got in mind for IPAs who has yet to reply to my personal message, um, actually says yes, I think that is going to be an absolute diamond <laughs> podcast. Probably going to win as a Tony Award or something. Is it Graham Preston? I couldn't possibly Is comment. It's uh, Timmy Jenkins. Timmy's already said no. Oh. I wanted to do one on Neepers with Timmy, but he doesn't have a microphone. Oh, bless him. I'll post. Pablo Escobar. I'll, I'll post in mine. That's a, com- a personal commitment, <laughs> Timmy. There you go, Tim. If you want a decent microphone, mate, then Owen will post you his so that you can come on and do Neepers. Um, other than that. I, th- I think it's time to hang up the mics for the night, have another beer, and then go to bed because it's getting late. And uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's the end. Anything else you want to say, Owen? No, other than it's been a great pleasure. I hope everyone enjoys this uh, rambling podcast of nonsense. Um, hey, we we covered everything we needed to we cover did. and more. And more. Incidentally, clove bomb. So yeah. Uh, thanks very much for listening guys and we look forward to you joining us for unlucky episode 13 that's it hop edition out see you next episode